Welcome to the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, a podcast for the innovators from the experts. We know that you're busier than ever, and the last thing you need as a business applications innovator is a lengthy, drawn-out podcast where you walk away with the possibility of learning something new. Well, that's how the Digestible Dynamics Podcast is different. Each episode will contain one digestible tidbit about Dynamics 365 that you can immediately apply to your business. With the combined experience of three decades in the business application space, Dr. KJ and I understand that the power of technology is not about the features and functions, but rather the value it can bring to your business to help you transform and drive growth. That's why we'll focus on the most useful things that you need to know about the Dynamics 365 platform. Welcome everyone to the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, your number one source for snackable tidbits that help optimize your Dynamics 365 experience. Kevin, I know that we use a lot of acronyms, but can you help our listeners understand what your role as a TSP is? Certainly, KJ. Acronyms are like their own language when you really think about it. But a TSP stands for a technical specialist. In my role, I focus on helping customers solve their business problems using the Dynamics 365 applications. More specifically, I learn a customer's business strategy, processes, and inefficiencies in sales, customer service, and marketing in particular. Then I present Dynamics 365 solutions to those problems that help foster growth, improve efficiencies, provide deeper business insights, and help companies achieve and execute on those business strategies. Now, on the topic of acronyms, can you help our listeners understand what your role as an ATS is? No, thanks for breaking that down, uh, the TSP role. Fun fact for our listeners, Kevin and I both met when I was working as a TSP. And as an ATS... It actually stands for Account Technology Strategist. And that means that I work as a field CTO for my accounts for all things Microsoft. So like Kevin, I help customers drive growth, solve business problems by really removing any Microsoft technology roadblocks. And then also where my role differs from Kevin's is that as an ATS, I'm looking at the entire Microsoft suite of products like Azure, Microsoft 365, business applications, and it's my responsibility to know enough about all of the products. So whereas Kevin is an expert in Dynamics 365 platform, I am a generalist. Thanks for that information, KJ. You're right. My expertise is concentrated on the capabilities and business value of Dynamics 365 specifically. Now, despite our differences, especially in age, one thing that our roles have in common is that the Microsoft Cloud is uh, the one Microsoft Cloud and how it impacts our customers. 100%. I'm constantly having the conversation about the one Microsoft Cloud to break down what it is, how it stands out from our competitors, and why it is important to my customers. So I'm super juiced to have this week's guest talk about what it is so that I can share this episode with my customers. Kevin, can you please introduce this week's guest? You're not alone, KJ. I'm going to send this to all my customers. They need to know about the One Microsoft Cloud. But let me go ahead and introduce this week's guest, Bart Sneary. Bart Sneary is a dynamic and creative problem solver with decades of experience. He has the ambition to make any organization more efficient and effective. His experience is centered in the technology sector, particularly CRM solutions, but thrives on learning daily. He prides himself on being a clear communicator who works well in a team environment. Bart is currently a principal Microsoft Technology Center technical architect that focuses on helping customers learn about the various ways they can leverage the Dynamics 365 technology and power platform. 
Welcome everyone to the Digestible Dynamics Podcast. We're so excited to have Bart Sneary, who is an MTC architect. Bart, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you inviting me on. If anybody out there hasn't heard of that acronym, MTC, maybe I ought to just start by breaking that down just a bit for you. Yeah, please go for it. <laughs> Sounds good. So MTC stands for Microsoft Technology Center. So those MTCs or technology centers are spread throughout the globe. We've got almost 50 of them all around the world and about 16, I believe, in the United States in various places. So for anyone in one of those major metropolitan areas where there is one, that is a place where you can go and experience all kinds of cool things that Microsoft pulls together, really focused on more of our business clientele than the consumer. But there are a few fun things even for consumers to do if they show up at an MTC. But the, the place that has all the cool, fun gadgets and experiences that you can go uh, look at and feel and touch and kind of understand also comes staffed with about five or six architects in each of those locations. And the architects spend all day, every day, sitting down with one of our customers and going through details of what that customer could be doing to transform their business and finding ways to accelerate their usage of our products to make sure they're as efficient and effective as possible as an organization. So I get to do that. It's a really fun job. I'm based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I focus most of my time. So we're kind of enterprise architects, if you will. But I get to focus mostly on Power Platform, Dynamics 365, kind of what we call our business application portfolios. That's me. So you're perfect to talk about the you know what we're going to discuss today with the Microsoft Cloud and perfect guest to be on the Digestible Dynamics podcast. So Bart, what is the Microsoft Cloud? When customers go to the MTC and say, hey, we just want to learn more about the Microsoft Cloud, what is that? Yeah, good question, right? <laughs> we could spend about a week talking just about that. Microsoft Cloud, if you want to take a really super general approach to that, it is just all of the various infrastructure and services that we offer our customers that we host. In a really super general concept, that's all it is. And when you think about the Microsoft Cloud, it's a bunch of servers and other things sitting in our data centers that are all connected to the internet. And we offer people different ways to purchase networking, compute, and data storage. Everything in our cloud ends up being one of those three things that end up running on our server infrastructure somewhere around the world that are all interconnected at hyperspeeds. So I love to just start with, it's really not that complex an idea. We end up putting all kinds of really cool, complex features into our cloud that customers can subscribe to. But the the concept itself is uh, pretty, pretty easy to understand in my book. Now, The way I then think about our cloud is we start with a bunch of kind of Lego pieces, if you will, and that we put the foundation underneath all the Lego pieces of Azure Active Directory and all the things that go along with that identity surface so that we know every time anybody is accessing anything in any of our data centers, we know who they are. Because if we know who they are, then we can make sure that they are allowed to go do things and we can give them permissions or authorization to various services. So that is kind of the bedrock of everything that happens in our cloud is that identity control plane surface. And going along with that identity, you also get things like compliance and security and just a management console layer of administration that just comes 
as bedrock that everything else that we build on foundationally lives on top of. After you get at that foundational layer, then I think we start building the house. You know, it depends on what you're trying to right. do as an organization, right? So we got tons of developer tools that live in what most people refer to as our Azure cloud. And those are a whole bunch of widgets to build networks, to build compute algorithms and AI. And then we have a bunch of storage places where you can put data in different ways and ways to analyze it, monitor it, and you know all the various things that you might do if you were a developer, cracking open Visual Studio or VS Code, writing some code and wanting a place to put it that's not sitting on a server next to you, but is sitting somewhere in our data center. And that to me is kind of Azure. It's all of those little Lego building blocks to do all those super cool things. And honestly, Microsoft builds all of our services on top of the Azure building blocks that we give our customers to utilize. So that to me is that, that next layer of the building is just, right, we got that right. foundation, and then we put Azure on top of it with all those dev building blocks. Then I think of it as we start going up another layer. So how can we make it easier for the devs to be more proficient? And how can we make it easier for people who aren't devs to be able to develop stuff? And that's where we take all those Azure services and we compose them into a bunch of tools that are sort of our low-code tooling where the Power Platform lives. So anything you can do in Power Platform, you could do in Azure also if you were a dev. It's just you can do them faster and quicker and easier, depending on your skill set, with Power Platform additions. Because we've brought a bunch of them together and composed them into UIs and consoles that you can have quicker time to value, even if you're a dev by using these tools because we put a bunch of helpers in place to make that super rapid. We also then kind of have a stack of developer tools like GitHub and Visual Studio Code and DevOps and all these kind of services out there to make pro devs faster that we kind of set on top of that dev layer of Azure as well. And then we build more of our finished services on top of Power Platform and Azure. And those are the things that people are kind of most familiar with in our stack of products, like the Microsoft 365 suite or right. Office 365, depending on how you like to refer to that. To me, what I think of when you think of Office 365 is all of our productivity tools in one place surrounded by what we call the Microsoft Graph. And that Microsoft mm -hmm. Graph is a single control plane that you can query to get information about and control and do interesting things with all of the data that is being used as a finished service inside of that Office 365 space. So that's everything that's going on in Outlook, everything that's going on in Teams, everything that's going on in SharePoint, everything that's going on in Planner, all those services that come as Office 365, they all sit on that Microsoft graph. So there's one place that any other service in Microsoft, whether it's somebody developing something cool in Azure, developing something cool on Power Platform, or things that we build into some of our other services, all know they've got one place they can go to query all of that data and even impact what is happening in that data. It's also part of what makes some of our AI things that I know you guys have talked about on previous yes. podcasts and all of our co-pilot features and all those, they really leverage that Microsoft graph for all the things that we know people are doing to you know, their documents and their conversations and everything else that's happening in all those other tools is that graph is the key thing. Wow. On the business side of the world, we kind of think of our graph as Dataverse. Almost everything that happens across the business communication space in Dynamics 365 and Power Platform, that almost all those things ultimately end up in Dataverse. 
And so that is what a lot of other services like Office 365 tools or whatever would query if they wanted to get at business data of what we know about our customers or what we know about our products or you know, any of the other things that are more of that business layer. Those are getting stored in Dataverse for the most part. And when we compose these finished services that we sell, because we know we got these cool graphs to call, we can sure. pre-wire up a whole bunch of cool functionality to make collaboration easier if you're in a business app or to make finding business data easier if you're in a productivity app or to run AI across all of it and surface all these cool insights about what's happening on the other parts of the Microsoft cloud because we know how those graphs are put together and how to query them and how to run AI across them and surface all the stuff. But the way we do it, because it's all grounded in that identity and security layer, we get to do it securely without exposing any extraneous information, keep things private where they should be private, not allow data leakage if people put controls in place. So we just have all this greatness pulled together in one cohesive set of things that talk to each other, but people think of them in these sort of discrete clouds, if you will, of our business right, applications right. cloud and our office cloud and our Azure cloud and things like that. But they're all just building blocks that stack on top of each other in my book. So, so how's that? that? That's fantastic. So if I could summarize <laughs> in, in some capacity, when you think about the Microsoft cloud, you can think of it as building your own skyscraper that represents your business in the cloud. And you have the ability to, to, to create your skyscraper using whatever the services within Microsoft cloud may be. Maybe it's productivity tools. That's one level of your skyscraper. Maybe it's business applications, one level of of another uh, level of with the skyscraper. And then you throw in AI that's utilizing all the interconnectedness of the the uh, different floors, if you will, of your skyscraper, with which is extremely secure, best in class. I know we barely touched on that, and that's a huge thing, especially today with AI. But that's how I'm thinking about the one Microsoft Cloud, based yeah. on what you said. Yeah, I think of it exactly kind of like that, as if I were sitting in my Lego set, I've now got all these cool Legos that will plumb each other together and they know how to fit together in order to build my building for my business out of the interconnected pieces. Now, of course, we can also get outside of our cloud and talk to other clouds, and that's a whole nother conversation because a lot of things are just API-based mm -hmm. these days and we can suck data from any API if we need to in order to run AI across it or weave it into our integrated story of our building. But the more you can build within the Microsoft stack, the less you have to do of all that stuff because we did all that plumbing for you, right? So that's, that's I think, the biggest advantage is you can do just about any business function with a piece of our cloud and get benefit from all the rest of our cloud because we did a lot of that heavy lifting for you. No, that's that's great. I mean, it, it's it's great that we have native, but I do want to focus just on that third-party integrations just for a second. Right? Yeah. So what are some of those third-party integrations that you've seen in Dynamics and or Power Platform that customers are taking advantage of and how they're using them? Every customer story is a little bit different there, of course, right? But, yeah. you know, for instance, I've got some customers that have put a pretty large investment in something like an Informatica master data management tool. And it's pretty easy to plumb our productivity stack graph for the Office graph or Microsoft graph into that. It's also pretty easy to plumb Dataverse into that and then everything else that it's already doing with maybe their ERP platform of choice and maybe uh, some other kind of 
custom databases that help them manage much of their data or their point of sale system or whatever other platforms they're using, e-commerce sites, where they want all of that data around, you know, a customer or a product or whatever to be mastered in a certain way that, you know, that's a pretty popular third-party tool usually because Microsoft doesn't offer a first-party MDM tool. So that's just kind of an interesting sidebar that I see quite a few enterprise customers doing. Right. If you want to turn that on its head a little bit, even though it's uh, a competing product, another really popular thing that we've built into something we call Viva Sales is to allow our productivity stack that a lot of our customers use with the Outlook and Teams and SharePoint type stuff. If it was really easy to just connect all of that goodness into not only Dynamics, but have a connector right. out there to make that super easy to get into Salesforce, you know, we did that as well to try to make sure that you don't have to be Microsoft-centric everywhere to still get a lot of benefit out of the tooling we build uh, to get value out of our products that you have invested in. So. Right. No, That's so what, what about reporting? Is it, are you seeing a lot of reporting with Power Platform and, and people pulling that into Dynamics and wanting to service that, or even on their mobile device? How are you seeing that? Yeah, so reporting is part of almost every conversation I have with a customer. And most of them are wanting to do some pretty sophisticated things in reporting, and they want to make sure that the reporting that happens is timely, but is not taxing the operation of their platforms. So they don't want the reports to have to like query the database that's supporting the users trying to get work done at the same time, because that right. will obviously slow that database down. And they think about that as an Absolutely. IT team. So we've built some really nice tools in our cloud to try to make sure that, especially if they're using any of our Dynamics products or Power Platform products, that there is kind of an easy button to get a near real-time copy of that data. And by near real-time, I'm talking minutes. And have that be accessible to reporting tools that they can just use regular SQL queries to write whatever reports they want to in whatever tooling they would like. Well, of course, it's easiest if they can use our tooling like Power BI to write those, but it's up to them to write whatever they want from a reporting standpoint that as long as they can do SQL queries in it, that because we've given them kind of the easy button to get all that data into a place that is off the main server and queryable in basically a data lake, if you will, but surfaced up with a layer that can be queried just in SQL and not have to understand how to write Spark statements or other things because we put a nice compute layer on top of it in Azure Synapse, that then they can just write SQL statements, get out all their data, put their reports together that are basically in real time, but still don't run directly against like the dynamic servers that are running in our cloud. So their users have a great experience from a fast, you know, easy to maintain standpoint. Right. I talk about that a lot with our customers. That, yeah, that makes sense. And what's the point of getting reports if it takes forever to get them or if the, the cost of getting a report on your business is going to tax the entire system and prevent people from working? So that, that, yeah, that's absolutely. a good point to think about, that, which is a great segue into the idea of why should a Dynamics 365 or Power Platform customer even care about the other existing uh, Lego pieces of the one Microsoft cloud? Well, we just talked about one of them, that if they want the easy button to get that reporting in near real time with mm -hmm. SQL uh, statements to go grab that data, that does require connecting Dynamics to an Azure service that we call Azure Synapse Analytics. And that will actually be storing its data in a data repository in Azure that we call an Azure Data Lake. So you kind of need those other building blocks 
of Azure in order to pump the data in in real time and to be able to then report on it. Or conversely, if you're a Dynamics user and you're popping open a contact record and you would like to know all of the email history that you have had with that contact, whether it had been tracked into Dynamics by the users or not, that at least for your own mailbox, because we keep privacy front and center, we've got tools in Dynamics to make it super easy. It'll just show you a list of all conversation history you've had with that person in Outlook, whether that got tracked to Dynamics or not. And of course, if you think it's important data that other people that look at that contact record out of, we make it super easy also to click one button and suck that email out of Outlook and put it right into Dynamics without having to go to Outlook first in order to make it happen. Right. Same thing. If you're in Outlook and you know, oh, wait, this one's important. I don't have to leave Outlook. I can just click a button in either Viva Sales or the Dynamics interface that we've put into Outlook on the other directions. We try to keep people in the tool they're working in right now, but access to all those other tools that are important in getting work done so the context switching is minimized, but the value of their data is maximized in the ways that they can keep operating and, and sharing that data, collaborating to get things done, reporting on it, whatever those other things are that are important in that organization. They're all important, right? So, Absolutely. No, no, that's yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. No, no, go ahead, KJ. <laughs> no, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna switch it up just for a second and and say, hey, you know, we're using AI now, right? Microsoft's now an AI company. For so sure. How are have we been for a long time. AI? We just kicked it right? up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So how are Bam, we using it power, <laughs> How are we using it in the Power Platform to build new applications? And what are some of the other use cases that you're seeing? with AI Power Platform Dynamics 365. Oh man, you're gonna hear the word co-pilot so many times over the next couple of years that you're yeah. <laughs> gonna be sick of it, but we are co-piloting all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I do think that name is super important to keep in mind. Everything that we're trying to do in the AI space is to help users be the assistant that helps that user get things done. We don't necessarily need AI to replace users. We just want to make them more efficient so they can get more things done. And with that in mind, we've got Copilot in lots of places in the Power Platform and Dynamics. So if you think about Power Platform, we got Copilot in Power Apps so that you can describe the app you want. It'll help you create the data table needed to store that data and then the UI on top of that data table to surface that data for your user productivity. All you had to do is describe what you wanted and it'll help you get started. And it's pretty good at figuring out what kind of data elements you need for different kind of industry scenarios or use cases that you describe as long as you give it a couple things to feed on. Empower Automate, same idea. Tell me what you're trying to automate. I'll stitch together an automation script that connects to those data sources and transforms the data and moves it around as you were wanting to do in an automation scenario just by describing it. So that's kind of co-pilot in Power Automate. In Power Virtual Agents, when you're doing bot building, it's not quite the same as, you know, describe your bot and we'll build it. It's not too far off though in that, say I want to start a bot and I need the bot to be able to understand everything that this website has for information on it instead of having to figure out how to do all my queries, which we also made fairly easy in the past by letting people just use Power Automate to query a lot of those things on a website. But it's now way easier even to say, I'm going to start a Power Virtual Agent and I'm going to boost my conversation by saying, everything behind this parent website, and you get to decide where that lives within your hierarchy in your website, but everything from whatever I have put together for a URL, 
everything beneath that and the tree of how that website is put together, that Power Virtual Agent will now use the generative AI capabilities of things like ChatGPT, GPT-4. We kind of abstract that from the user so they don't have to know what's being implemented right. to say, I can not only read this website faster than any human can and understand what's there, but now somebody asks me a question, I'll figure out what they asked. I'll figure out whether the data exists anywhere on that website, and I'll then synthesize that into something really concise and put back a statement that summarizes that really concisely to the user and the people who made that bot all they had to do is put the url in and say go and it just does all the rest they didn't have to stitch together all these various conversation trees like they always had to in the past when making a bot to make that super powerful and much much easier as a developer experience because of what ai is able to do in that generative ai space we do the same kinds of things with sales and helping them compose new emails. We do it in customer service and help uh, respond to, you know, either a voice chat or a text chat or a, you know, SMS chat that they're having with their customer trying to solve a problem and can, it can query the database of knowledge repositories and even the internet and whatever else you've pointed for FAQs on a website and just surface all that to make it a much easier, quicker experience for that customer service agent to respond in real time to their customers with something intelligible. We're building it in all over the place, in other words. So that's just a smattering of where I've seen it. Love that. Awesome. So Bart, when I think about the, the one Microsoft Cloud, I think you hit the nail on the head with one of those key nuggets. It's really about helping the users maximize and optimize their data for whatever the case may be to increase efficiency, improve intelligence. But that one Microsoft's Cloud empowers the customers within any organization to achieve more. Thank you so much for being oh, look on at the that. show. You like I was we, weaving in, there, huh? in the statement. I love it. That's our mission right there. That is our mission. So thank you for being on the show. I I personally learned a lot, and I now have Likewise. a greater understanding of of that analogy that I'm going to use when it comes to the one Microsoft Cloud. So thank you, Bart. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, look forward to future sessions in your show. I've I've subscribed to the podcast, so I, you. <laughs> you're on my list. Thank you. You bet. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Digestible Dynamics Podcast, a show for you, the innovators, with content directly from the experts. While we only cover one tidbit of Dynamics 365 per episode, if you want to learn more, head over to our LinkedIn page by searching for Digestible Dynamics on LinkedIn so that we can guide you to the right resource to help you maximize your Dynamics 365 experience. If you have any other questions, email your host, KJ and KG at digestibledynamics at microsoft.com. Until next time, folks.